Stand with me and honor the reading of the word to the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 33. Jeremiah, chapter number 33, and verse number 3. My memory is so bad that sometimes I have this feeling I forgot something. Some, and I hadn't really necessarily forgot anything. I just forget so much that I'm afraid I did. And I don't know if I really forgot something or if I'm just afraid I did. But whatever, I'm just going to move on. How's that sound? Jeremiah 33 and 3. If you found it, say praise the Lord. Here's what the word of the Lord said. Call unto me and I will answer thee. And show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I want you to read it with me if you can. Call unto me and I will answer thee. You're not reading it with me, you're reading it after me, but that's good enough. And I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Now let's all read it together. Call unto me. And I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Man, that's awesome. You want me to tell you what was going on when God said this? I didn't, put, I didn't give the scriptures to them in back, but verses 1 and 2 said, while Jeremiah was yet shut up in the court of the prison. He wasn't on the mountaintop. He wasn't in the temple. He wasn't in the altar. He was still in prison, not, not just in the court of the prison, but yet still in the court of the prison. And while in prison, God said, call unto me and I will answer thee. Let me tell you, whatever situation you're in, God says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Amen. I want to preach my heart to you this morning under the title, Another Level of Prayer. Another Level of Prayer. Lord, God, I'm standing here under a burden given to me from you. I pray, God, that you would let my mind and my heart be in tune with yours. Let me walk in the Holy Ghost. Let me be led by the Spirit. Let me speak not my word, but your word. I pray, oh God, that you would filter the thoughts in my mind so that the only thing that comes out is what you want us to hear. God, I pray in the name of the Lord that you would likewise anoint the ear of everyone that hears this message. Whether they be in the house, online, live, or watching or listening at a later time, I pray, God, that the angel of the Lord would anoint the ear of the hearer right now. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost speak to us and talk to us. That when we hear your word, we will respond and call unto you. And you will answer and show great and mighty things that we've not even yet begun to understand. I pray, God, let this message be a seed, not an event, 
that comes and goes, but let it be a seed that gets planted in our heart and in our spirit and in our mind that will grow as we move forward from this day and reap a harvest in our lives in a powerful and a real way. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Give the Lord a good praise as you're being seated this morning. The Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament is the Hebrew Bible. To the Jew, it is the entire scope of the Word of God. When we say the Hebrew Bible, what we're really, what I'm referring to is our Old Testament. In that Old Testament, prayer is the means of interacting with God. Most frequently, the Bible describes prayer as a spontaneous, individual, unorganized form of petitioning or thanking God. It's when someone needs something, wants something, or is thanking God for something. It comes from the heart. It comes from the soul. It comes from the human will and need. Often in the Bible, individuals spontaneously prayed to God when faced with difficulties and questions that they did not have the answer or solution for. The standardized prayer such as is done in most denominations and in synagogues today bears little resemblance to how the Bible described prayer. Most prayers in the Bible are very personal, passionate, desperate, or thankful words spoken from the heart of a person to God, not recited liturgical, unfeeling memorizations. Jews were taught to pray three times a day, morning, afternoon, and evening prayers. The morning prayer is the shakarit, the afternoon prayer, the minka, and the evening prayer, the mariv. The sages said that the custom of praying three times a day was originally introduced by the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham introduced prayer in the morning time. Isaac introduced prayer in the afternoon. And Jacob added the prayer at nighttime. They knew that praying regularly enabled a person to build a relationship with God. So from the time that Jewish children were babies, they were taught to pray. When the mother was giving birth, psalms were sung and prayers made so that the child would be born hearing prayer. In the Zohar, where the inner meaning of the Torah or the Pentateuch was revealed, it is taught that each of the three patriarchs represented a particular quality which they introduced into the service of God. It is said that Abraham served God with love. Isaac served God with awe. And Jacob served God with mercy. It was not that any of the patriarchs lacked any one of these particular qualities, 
but each had a specific, particular uh, uh, gifting of quality in this particular area that was evidenced. So the morning prayer demonstrates that we serve God with love for him. The afternoon prayer demonstrates our awe of his power and his presence and his goodness. And the evening prayers illustrate our thanks for his mercy and provision for our lives and our families. During the first 1,000 years or so, since the time of Moses, there was really no set order of prayer. Each individual was duty-bound to pray every day. But the form of prayer and how many times a day they prayed was left to each particular individual. But beginning in the book of Deuteronomy, the Bible begins to lay the groundwork for the addition of organized congregational prayers. Deuteronomy presents a prayer that was to be prayed over the fruit offering, the fruit bringing. They would bring harvest and sacrifice it to God. And this was the first time that a liturgical prayer was added and established. In this prayer, Moses mandated that the one who offers this sacrifice recites a prayer declaring the heritage and history of God's people. They were also to thank God for the fruit that they had harvested. Then on special days such as the Sabbath and festivals, there were additional prayers to these. David spoke of his personal prayer life in Psalms 55, 16, and 17. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Daniel the prophet continued his practice of daily prayer, even after Babylon passed a law forbidding the Jews to pray to their God. Daniel 6 and 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing or the law was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. When the Jews were captive in Babylon, their children learned to speak the language of the Babylonians, but they didn't learn the language of the Jews. And when Israel returned from exile, Ezra the scribe and 120 prophets and teachers realized that the Jews had forgotten the daily prayers while they were in Babylon. And they set forth to write the text of 18 specific benedictions and made it a permanent institution and duty in Jewish life to recite all 18 of these prayers three times a day, morning, afternoon, and evening. Ever since it became part of Jewish law, for each and every Jew to pray this prayer three times a day, corresponding to the daily sacrifices in the temple. In addition to the morning, afternoon, and evening prayers, 
All Jews, both men and women, were required to recite the Shema twice a day. It's the famous prayer that begins here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Blessed be the name of his glorious majesty forever and ever. Several years ago, I went to the synagogue in St. Petersburg, Russia, with Brother Jeremy Lang, who is, as you know, an apostolic preacher, but he is also Jewish on both sides of his family. I went to the synagogue with Brother Lang to cut because he wanted to pray in the synagogue there. And so when we walked in, they, they, they gave me a, a little hat to put on my head, and he had his own personal hat. And I put that little cap on my head, and I walked in, and there was a table. And on that table, there were black leather straps. And on those straps, there were little black boxes. And I watched Brother Lang. These, these, these straps and boxes are called feeling. And he wrapped them around his arms. And the boxes were on his hands. And then I watched him. And I, and, and I, I meant to bring it. I got a prayer shawl that I bought in Jerusalem. And I got a prayer shawl that I bought at that synagogue in Russia. And I meant to bring one of them in here. But I watched him wrap that prayer shawl around him. And then he took another set of feeling, the leather straps, and he wrapped them around his head and to the way that there was a black box that hung down between his eyes. Inside of those boxes are verses from the Hebrew Bible. The one between his eyes was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He wrapped these around and he took out his Bible, he speaks Hebrew, and he had a Hebrew Bible, and he began to walk in that synagogue and began to, to recite the prayers out of this book. And he went through the 18 prayers that are required by their law, and he stood and he prayed in that synagogue. And I listened to him, and I watched other men pray in that house of God three times daily. Hours of prayer are what religious historians refer to as the sanctification time. It's the idea that those three times a day of regular prayer returns our day back to God. Shema Israel, hear, O Israel. This practice goes back to the ancient days as they found in, the, in a clay jar in Qumran from thousands of years ago, leather straps and a box that was that was predates Christ, that predates, and they found that even back to ancient times, this custom of prayer goes all the way back. The idea, the practice goes back to these ancient days. The idea came that body movements can express devotion to God. In the book of Psalms, it says, all my limbs shall say, who is like you, O Lord? In the Midrash, the rabbis interpret that verse, all of my limbs, very literally. In the text, the body is presented as a tool for praising God. By putting the feeling on their arms and their head and the terms of their body movements, 
was an expression in prayer that God, I'm submitted to the one God of Israel. Today, the physical actions listed in the Midrash have become a part, an established part of Jewish prayer. Through many, though many Jewish prayers can be recited while seated quietly, standing is the most essential physical position in Jewish prayer. The rabbis of the Talmud refer to prayer. When they refer to prayer, they're almost always referring to what is known as the Amidah or the standing prayer. Like its name suggests, this prayer is recited while standing in devotion and talking to God. It's customary that when they come for this Amidah or standing prayer, that they take three steps back and then three steps forward to begin their prayer because what they're trying to establish by stepping back three steps and then stepping forward, what they're trying to establish in their mind is the idea that I'm not just coming before a person or an individual, but I'm coming before God when I pray. Amen. Bowing is a common physical movement in Jewish prayer. Liturgical scholar Yuri Ehrlich notes that Daniel's bows would have been full prostations laying on the floor with his entire body on the ground as was standard in many ancient prayers in Israel. By the rabbinic period, the standard bow became simply bending one's knees and upper body and praying and talking to God. The Talmud says that in reciting the tefillah, one should bow down at the appropriate places until all the vertebrae in the spinal column are moved. I wish I were more flexible. I wish I were flexible at all. But they move, they bow in such a way that every bone in their back moves to signify that I have got to do something to connect with God. Something in me has to move so I can connect with God. While standing and bowing are mandated by the halakha at various parts of the prayer service. Other movements demonstrate passion in prayer. I'm reading specifically from, from resources. Often, ecstatic dancing and clapping are part of a prayer service. I told you that in 2020, when I went to Israel, every night that I was in Jerusalem, when our tour was over, I would walk back to the western wall of the temple to spend some time in prayer. And very often, as you walk down the ramp to the wall, it's the only surviving wall of the temple that Solomon built. When you walk up to that wall, to the left, there is a huge set of doors and an inner chamber. And when you, when you walk close to that wall, you can hear sounds of praise coming. Amen. They're doing stuff that much of Christianity is not familiar with at all, but we are used to it. They're in there. They're clapping their hands. They're shouting. And, and men have their little boys by the hand, and they're dancing in circles and praising God and clapping their hands as a way of prayer to somehow, I've got to touch God. 
as you approach the wall, there are many men who come to the wall and they put their forehead against the wall and they pray and then they step back and as they step back, all of a sudden, they begin to rock back and forth. They begin to pray and they have their Bible, their Hebrew Bible in their hand and they are reading Psalms and they're reading prayers and they're quoting scripture over their life. They begin to pray. They're quoting scriptures while they're rocking back and forth in praying. They're quoting promises over their family, promises over their life and they rock back and forth. It has been, the practice has become natural for many Jews who engage in prayer. They rock back and forth. God, I need you. The Zohar offers the explanation for the swaying back and forth. And quote, when a Jew utters one word of the Torah or one word of the law, the light in his soul is kindled. Oh God, when they utter one word of the Torah, a light in the soul is kindled and he sways to and fro like the flame of a candle to symbolize the fire and the light of God that comes through prayer and the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. The, the, the how shalom, and I know I'm not saying these words right, but written by Rabbi Yehel Epstein asserts that swaying during prayer, that many sway in prayer because it improves their spiritual intensity and helps them engage in conversation with God. What he's saying is just praying dead, dry, dull recitations is not enough. If you've got to move to touch God, then move. If you got to sway to hear from God, then sway. But whatever you do, don't let your prayers be dead. Oh, God. Hallelujah. I, I, this is like a 747 sermon. It's got a long runway, but when it takes off, hopefully the flight will be short. The Bible repeatedly speaks of lifting of hands in prayer. The rabbis incorporated the lifting of hands in prayer to God, advocating a return away from the dead, dry recitations that had become commonplace in the temples and the synagogues. And so they incorporated the lifting of hands so people could feel the connection to God. Amen. Rabbi Abraham promoted the raising of hands in all of these practices and points. One thing is clear. The most important form of contact with God is when we pray. It dominated the life of the ancient Jew. They learned that prayerlessness, they learned what prayerlessness can cause in the life of mankind. Before prayer was invented, Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and were vanquished from the presence of the Lord. Before the fall in the garden, every single communication, please stay with me for a moment, every single communication between God and man was initiated by God. The Bible said over and over, God called to them. 
Genesis 3, 8 and 9, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Communication with God was always God calling to them. Before prayer was invented, they ate the forbidden fruit. Before prayer was invented, Cain offered an unsatisfactory sacrifice. Before prayer was invented, Cain murdered his brother Abel. And then God spoke to Adam and Eve and said he was giving them Seth to replace Abel. But new life requires new habits. New life requires new habits. New life requires new habits. You can't get new life in your old lifestyle. You can't have new victory with your old lifestyle. You can't have a new anointing with your old lifestyle. New life requires new habits. So God said, I'm going to give you Seth, Genesis 4, 26. And to Seth, to him also, there was born a son, and he, can't, he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. They realized that I can't always wait for God to call me. I've got to call on God. When I wait on God to call me, I eat forbidden fruit, I hurt my brother, and I don't offer good sacrifices. If I wait on God, then my walk with God is limited and I often make mistakes. If I just wait on God to talk to me, then I may never hear his voice. So then men began to call on the name of the Lord. When a Jewish young man became serious about serving God, he would seek out a rabbi to teach him. He must ask the rabbi to allow him to be a student. The central part of serving was prayer. And so when the young man found a rabbi, the only acceptable request to have the rabbi be his teacher was to go to the rabbi and ask him a simple question. Teach me to pray. The most important thing of walking with God was to learn how to pray. You fast forward to the arrival of Christ and he walks by the highways and byways of Israel. Jesus, born to a Jewish family, was schooled in prayer. When he began his ministry, he began to call disciples to follow him. One by one, he called them. As an example, Matthew 4, 18 and 19, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. 
And one by one, he called the 12 to follow him. But at some point, it wasn't enough that God called them. They had to decide to submit themselves to him as their teacher. And in Luke chapter 11 and verse number one, and it came to pass that as he was praying, everybody say he was praying. In a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Finally, after he called them, they realized it's time for us to call him. Teach us to pray. And here comes my conviction. This request put me under conviction all week. It started eating at me. Couldn't get it out of my mind. I couldn't stop thinking about it. God was tearing my spirit, convicting my heart. I began to view this request of the disciples differently than I had ever seen it. Lord, teach us to pray. These were Jewish men, every one of them. They had been taught about prayer from the time they were babies. They were born with their parents praying. If there was anything these 12 men knew about, they knew about prayer. They had prayer etched in their subconscious and conscious minds. From the very moment of their birth, they knew the morning, afternoon, and evening prayer. They knew the Shema prayer. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Hikad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. They knew how to bow before the Lord. They knew how to stand before the Lord. They knew how to rock and sway in prayer. They knew how to dance and shout in prayer. They knew how to lift their hands in prayer. If there was anything these 12 men knew, it was prayer. Their lives had been built around prayer. Their daily schedule was built around three prayers. Every morning, morning prayer. Every afternoon, afternoon prayer. Every evening, evening prayer. Twice a day, you got to pray the Shema. Prayer, prayer, prayer. If they knew anything, they knew about prayer. They knew what the Torah said, what the rabbis said, what the prophets said, what the priests said. If they knew anything at all about serving God, what they knew about, they knew about prayer. But on this particular day, they discovered something, and it came to pass, Luke 11, 1, and it came to pass that as he was praying, they had heard mama pray, and daddy pray, and grandpa pray, and priest pray, and prophet pray, and rabbi pray. They had heard brothers pray, and sisters pray. They had heard prayer, they had done prayer. But when he was praying, in a certain place, when he ceased, one of the disciples said, Lord, Teach us to pray. 
I know how to pray like the priest. And I know how to pray like the prophet. And I know how to pray like the sages. And I know how to pray like mama. And I know how to pray like daddy. And I know how they taught me to pray from the time I was a baby all the way until today. But now that I've heard you pray, I realize I don't know how to pray at all yet. Teach us to pray. Jesus didn't recite dead prayers, heartless prayers, passionless prayers. He prayed different than John the Baptist had prayed. He prayed different than the high priest and Levites had prayed. When Jesus prayed, they couldn't ignore it. They didn't interrupt him, but when he was done, they said, you've got to teach us how to pray like you pray. God help me. God help me. Listen, I was raised on a Pentecostal pew. I think every church in the 70s had orange carpet. An uncomfortable, scratchy orange, orange fabric on the pews. Church I grew up had, had, had orange carpeted aisles and altar and platform, but in the pews, under the pews, it was just old hardwood. Sounded like a million people tap dancing when we'd worship. I would be in church. Sometimes they'd go a little long. And we'd be laid under the pew to sleep while the church worshiped. My mother was sweet. My mother was a great cook. My mother loved me, but my mother wasn't small. And when she'd worship God, it's a miracle she didn't stomp my head in. That's how I learned that I didn't serve a supernatural God. I've been raised on a church pew. I've heard praying my whole life. My earliest memories are prayers. But I've been convicted this week that I need another level of prayer in my life. We're facing bigger challenges. We can't just accept static, heartless, passionate recitations and prayer. Let me tell you this morning, there are times when tradition is not enough. Lord, teach us to pray. There are times, there are times when just half-heartedly mumbling words that we've heard people say over and over our whole lives just in enough. Move God, move God, move God. Bless God, bless God, bless God. Touch God, touch. You got to say it in three. When did we become Trinitarians? We repeat stuff over and over and over. And it's disconnected from our heart. It's buried in our minds because we've heard it our entire life. Just let me preach to you for a little while. We say things that we can say without feeling or even thinking because we've said it forever. Am I right? How many of us this morning repeated prayers that our heart wasn't connected to just because we're used to it? A handful maybe? How about all of us I think we probably have where we just say things because we've said it our entire life. But God, teach us to pray. Jonah was a prophet of God. Jonah heard from God. God talked to Jonah. Jonah was known as a prophet of God. Other people knew that God spoke to Jonah. 
Jonah wasn't perfect. If anything, he was one of the most flawed prophets in the entire Bible. But he knew prayer because from the time he was a baby, he was taught morning, afternoon, evening prayers, Shema prayers twice a day. He had been taught how to rock back and forth in prayer and lift his hands in prayer and lay before the Lord in prayer. Jonah knew how to pray, but Jonah wasn't passionate about prayer. Jonah wouldn't build himself an altar when God spoke to him. Jonah wouldn't build himself an altar, so God built an altar for Jonah. Jonah 1 and 17, now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. We think, God help me, God help me. We think that the difficulties we face in life come our way because the devil sent them. But the Bible said the Lord prepared a great fish. Your troubles and trials and pressures and stresses and circumstances and situations may not have one single thing to do with the devil at all. It might totally be God saying you wouldn't build yourself an altar, so I'm going to build you an altar. If you won't pray on your own, I'll send a great fish into your life and you won't be swallowed up by stuff until you learn how to pray. If you feel swallowed up by stress, swallowed up by problems, swallowed up by financial trouble, swallowed up by sickness and disease, swallowed up by marriage trouble, swallowed up by addiction, swallowed up by problems with your kids, it might not be the devil. It might be that God said, you won't pray until I stir your life up enough. So the very next verse, I'm going to read verse 17 again. Now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. End of chapter 1, start of chapter 2, the next verse. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, by reason of mine affliction unto thee, Lord, I cried by reason of my affliction. God, if you wouldn't have sent this fish, I wouldn't have cried. The only reason I'm praying now is because you sent this fish to me. God, when everything was going smooth, I didn't have time to pray. God, when everything was going great, I didn't really have a call to prayer. When everything was going great, I just recited my morning, afternoon, and evening prayers. I just recited the Shema. I, 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 just, I just mumbled it out. But God, something happened when from the belly of this fish, I cried. The Bible said, then from the belly of the fish. He said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto thee, Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest me. Listen, I'm not trying to, 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 to sound like I'm cursing. But some of you, the, the hell you're going through in your life isn't because the devil put you there. It's because you wouldn't pray. And so God said, if I don't give them a little taste of hell in their life, they'll never call on my name. They'll never get it right. They're just going through morning, afternoon, and evening prayers. And if I don't give them just a little taste of hell in their life, they won't learn how to pray. So the best thing you can do is say, God, I'm in this circumstance, but I'm crying. I need another level of prayer. I need another level of prayer. 
Let me tell you, America is going through it. America's a mess. And if you think it's going to get better by a vote, you're out of your mind. The vote's never going to change it. This society is going down, down, down. And if you think that politicians and pundits have an answer, you have lost your mind. The only answer is that we learn another level of prayer that'll shake this world. Can I, can I preach my heart to you? Can I, I told you the worst thing for the church is when I'm under conviction. But can I just tell you that there's people that I watch and I don't know how long it's been since you've come through the prayer room. I don't, I can't, some of you, I don't know if I've ever seen you in the prayer room. And so my question is after two years of this COVID mess and all the financial trouble and all the political unrest and all the hatred and sin in our society, God, what's it gonna take? What bigger fish has to come our way to teach the church how to pray at another level. Here's Jonah. Here's Jonah pre, pre-whale, pre-fish Jonah. Shema Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. Looking at his sundial. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The sundial alarm goes off. I don't know what sound rocks make, but he wakes up in the morning. Morning prayer. It's like the, the Dunkin' Donut. Time to make the donuts. <laughs> morning prayer. Prayer number one. Prayer number two. Prayer number three, all the way down to 18. Goes about his day. Afternoon prayers. That's pre-fish prayer. But in fish prayer, God, you gotta save me. God, you gotta change. God, I, I need you, you gotta get me out of this. God, if you don't save me, I'm going to drown in the belly of this fish. God, I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. God, you got to save me. you got to change me. If you don't, I'm not going to survive. God, you got to get me out of here. God, I need you. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm going to tell you, a few weeks ago on a Tuesday, I prayed my normal prayer. Just riding down the road, God, save so-and-so. God, help so-and-so. God, I pray for my girls every day. God, help Ellie. God, help Kate. I pray for my wife every day. I just drive down the road and pray, you know, just, just, just pray. That was on a Tuesday. On Wednesday, about 3 a.m., I woke up, and I had the most horrible pain. I had a kidney stone. My God, it was horrible. You've heard me talk about it a little bit. I end up in the hospital. Six hours later, I hadn't got anything. Six hours later, I, I'd have taken anything they'd have gave me. I didn't care anymore. But six hours later, they, when I first got there, I, I just, I need some help. I'm hurting. When I first woke up at 3 a.m., I thought, I'll just go back to sleep. My belly's upset. I tried to go back to sleep. When, I, when it wasn't desperate, I just, I'll roll back over. It'll be all right in the morning. I got to the hospital a few hours later, and I, you got to help me. I'm hurting pretty bad. I'm going to tell you, it wasn't long till that nurse or doctor, I don't know who it was. I didn't really care who it was. I didn't care if it was dope dealer down the street. 
street. I, I didn't care who it was. When they walked in that room, I said, you got to give me something. You got to help me. Something's got to happen right now. They left the door open. I saw idiots out there on the computers playing games and stuff. They didn't know I could see their screen. I'm like, my God, you're playing games and I'm in here dying. Do something. Just do something. There's a pre-kidney stone prayer and there's a mid-kidney stone prayer. There's a pre-fish prayer and there's an in-the-fish prayer. Some of you are going to have to get in the fish. Brothers and sisters, God's calling us to pray at another level. If we don't start hurting for our world, it'll never change. There's another level of prayer God wants to birth in your life. Let me tell the men of this church. I want every man and young man in this church to stand right now. If you're physically able, I want every man and young man in this church to stand right now. Let me tell you, as your pastor, let me tell you, as your pastor, I love you all. I'm closer to you all than I am to most people in my family. I love seeing you all when you're not here. I miss you. I love you men. But let me tell you, as men, we got to step it up in prayer. God's calling us us to another level in prayer, man. Amen. Just sitting down in the prayer room and looking around and seeing who's coming in and out. That's not the kind of prayer I'm talking about. Mumbling recitations. God moved. God. I'm telling God, let me tell you, don't make me pray for a fish to come your way. Don't make me pray. God, if you got to send a fish, send a fish. But we got to go to another level. This is your warning that God is calling you to another level of prayer. Sit down, girls and ladies. If you're physically able, stand up. If you're not, I certainly understand. But let me tell you, ladies, you have a way. You have a way of connecting emotionally with God in a way that men don't. Men are designed for strength. Women are designed for heart. You have a way of connecting with God in a way that I can't. There's a tenderness in your spirit. God's created you that way. It is not weakness. You hear me? It is not weakness that your heart can be moved with emotions. That's not weakness. That's a design of God because you were made to be able to emotionally enter into the throne room of God and touch his heart in a special way. We need you to go to another level of prayer. Let the tears fall down your face in the prayer room. Let the tears fall down your face in the altar. We need you to go to another level of prayer. Sit down. Now I want all of our young people to stand up. All of our young people. If you don't know if you're a young person, then you probably are. I listened to Brother Poole. He called me yesterday. I was driving home. He's afraid I'd fall asleep. I told him, I said, I'd never fall asleep. You don't have to worry about that. Talked to me for two hours and 15 minutes, and he was telling me about a boy in his church that, that, that he had witnessed to and that got the Holy Ghost and got baptized. And then and then he said, he, he told me a little bit later, just a few sentences later, he said, he's 58 years old. I thought, he's not a boy. So when you get old, everybody's a young person almost. Let me tell you young folks, we need your energy. Avery, I watched you at men's conference. I don't know where you get that energy, son. I, I, was, I was sitting in the second or third row 
I was sitting in the third row and some of my best friends were sitting right in front of me. And, uh, and, and one of them, Brother Anthony McCool, he's got the most beautiful head of hair. He don't know how to fix it, but it's the most beautiful head of hair. And I, and I, and I looked down that... I looked down that row and everyone on that row was, was, was almost com either completely bald or almost completely bald. And I got to laugh and I said, he don't belong there. And I thought, he's in my seat, that's where I belong. I'm sitting on that, that third row and man, my knees hurt, uh, they, they're sore. And every time the preacher says something good and everybody stands up, those young guys, they jump up. I'm like, And then when I sit back down, the first thing I do is, and then he says something else and it's, oh. I watch, Avery's like a pogo stick. You watch any of our conferences online, you don't see Avery with his towel that he's got in his hand and he's gonna be, my God, God gave him springs for legs. I don't have springs anymore. I used to have springs. I don't have springs anymore. I get wore out. You watch me over here. You know why I stand over here and I raise my hands all the time? Because my feet and my legs hurt all the time. And I might not be able to jump and run and shout like some of y'all, but I got to do what I can do. And I know what I can do is raise my hands. We need your energy. We need you in the prayer room using your energy in prayer. Don't let, don't let the fact that I'm old and don't have the energy stifle your energy. We need you to pray. Aaron, I'm going to tell you, while you were gone for two months, my God, I missed you. I didn't miss you as much as your dad missed you. I missed you more than your smallest brother did, though. But, uh, but I didn't miss you as much as your dad. But I miss you. And you know what I miss most about you? Can I tell you what I miss the most? I miss how you get in that prayer room before service and you pray and you intercede because God gave you a revelation a few months ago about warfare in prayer and how it makes a difference. And let me tell you, you were missed because I missed. We need you. We need you. We need your energy in prayer. I'm preaching about another level of prayer in our lives. Every single person in this. Okay, y'all sit down. If you're new to Bethlehem Church in the last two to three years or so, I want you to stand. That's right. Don't be afraid. Go ahead. Amen. Thank God. Let's give these folks a great hand clap. Can I tell you what I need out of y'all in prayer? Can I tell you what I need out of y'all? So we, we've been here forever. We're used to it. We, we've, some of us have been in this church so long, we've forgotten how great of a church and how lucky and blessed we are to be able to be here. But you came in from somewhere else and you thought it was good enough that you wanted to stay. We need your joy and excitement in prayer. We need the fresh blood. We need the new life. We need it. We need it. What am I preaching today? I'm preaching we need to go to another level in prayer. God, help me. God, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to pray. Everybody stand with me. Ask the difference makers this morning that while I'm preaching that you would help me pray. I'm going to give you the most important quote of this message, the second most important was new life requires new habits.
This is the most important. Either prayer chases sin out of your life or sin chases prayer out of your life. C.H. Spurgeon said the heart of prayer is the prayer of the heart. R.A. Torrey said prayer is the key that unlocks all the storehouses of God's infinite grace and power. All that God is and all that God has is at the disposal of the prayer. But we must use the key. Prayer can do anything that God can do. And as God can do anything, prayer is omnipotent. church goes over 200 people is in the top 10 percent of the largest churches in america did you know that the church goes over 200 people it's in the top 10 percent of the largest churches in america so when i put pressure on the church don't don't mistake that for the fact that i don't appreciate how great this church is we wouldn't be here 76 years we didn't know how to pray. You wouldn't be here if you didn't pray. Some of you would have been in the grave. Some of you would have not made it this far if you didn't know how to pray. I know we're here as a product of prayer. But let me tell you what I know in my spirit. God's calling us to another level of prayer. closing I think I'm closing if you look in the New Testament in the Gospels the 12 are called disciples it's not really except for a few exceptions in Luke is they're not really called apostles until the book of Acts they're disciples Jesus called the 12 disciples Aaron he called the disciples because they knew how to pray. Morning, afternoon, evening. Shema Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. They knew how, they knew that. They had mastered common prayer. They had mastered ordinary prayer. But for them to make the transition from disciples to apostles, They had to go to another level in prayer. I can follow Jesus and be a student with this prayer. But if I'm going to change my world, God, you got to teach me how to pray. As your eyes are closed, can I prophesy to you a little bit? For the most part, most of us have walked as disciples learners, students. But God is sending an apostolic anointing on some of your lives. A miracle anointing. A world-changing anointing. But the transition from a disciple to apostle anointing in your life is when you go to him and say, I've been a disciple. Teach me to pray. The level of prayer is fine for where I am now. 
But for me to be a Book of Acts church, I have to learn how to pray at another level. I feel the hand of God here. I told the difference makers this morning, I didn't write an end to this sermon. I just quit writing. I don't really know what God wants to do right now. But I do feel that maybe somehow I started this sermon off by telling you that God put me under conviction. I wonder if somebody else has been put under conviction by the Holy Ghost today. That God, I need a new level of prayer in my life. So look, if you, new life requires new habits, so you can't come to this altar with the old habit. God, teach me to pray. God, teach me to pray. God, help me to build my own altar so you don't have to send a fish. God, help me to build my own altar so that I don't have to cry from the belly of hell like Jonah did. Oh God, teach me to pray. Help me, Lord, that when prayer time rolls around this evening, that I'll put down the remote control. I'll do what I gotta do to get in your presence. If I gotta rock back and forth to get my mind set on you, that's what I'll do, God. If it's lifting my hands, if it's laying flat on the floor, God, whatever I gotta do, if it's moving every vertebrae in my back as I bow, to help me get my mind where it needs to be, that God, I gotta go to another level in prayer. The challenges facing my children and grandchildren are too great for my old way of praying. The challenges facing my marriage is too great for my old way of praying. The challenges of our city is too great. I need to go to another level in prayer. Oh, come on, you ought to lift your voice right now. There ought to be interceding. There ought to be some tongue talking. There ought to be some crying out to God. The only thing that's going to change my husband is if I go to another level in prayer. All the arguing is not going to help one bit. All the fussing and complaining is not going to help. If my wife needs to change, it's going to happen if I go to another level. All the bickering back and forth with my kids and all the rebellion and all the disrespect, it's not going to change just because I fuss with them. I'm going to walk in their bedroom while they're out. I'm going to walk in their room and I'm going to begin to call on God that while they're in this bedroom, the heaven opens up in this place. God changed their spirit. I'm going to another level in prayer. Come on, young folks, go to another level in prayer. You're facing devils I didn't have to face when I was your age. The only way you're going to make it is going to another level in prayer. Ryan, you got such a, such a good-looking baby. Man, those children, they're so sweet. I'm going to tell you, the only way you're going to keep them from the world and the only way you're going to keep the world out of them is if you go to another level in prayer. Got to go to another level in prayer. Oh, yeah.
Come on, your prayer is the music right now. Your prayer is the song right now. Your voice is what God wants to hear. Why don't you lift your voice and begin to pray? God, I need you. God, help me learn how to talk. Some of you might just need to start rocking back and forth to get, your, to get yourself in the, in the flow of prayer, whatever it takes. We're getting ready to step into an apostolic anointing. We're getting ready to walk in a depth in the spirit that we've never walked in. We're getting ready to see some chains broken in lives that we only dreamed and imagined might happen. But it's all on the other side of another level of prayer. Some of you might be feeling led to go connect with somebody in prayer right now. You don't have to shake them. You don't have to, you don't have to break their neck by putting your hand and bending them back. But maybe you feel like going to somebody and connecting with them in prayer. Why don't you obey the, the Spirit? Why don't you let the Holy Ghost guide you right now? If you got nothing to pray for, pray for me. For me to lead this church where we need to go, I got to go to another level of prayer. I got to hear God in a way I'm not hurting. Some of you are holding your voice down. Some of you are holding your voice down because you don't want to make a scene and you don't want to be heard and you don't want to steal. But you just need to open your mouth and let that voice out right now. You need to let it go unhindered and speak whatever it is you're saying, either in English or in tongues, with a boldness because it changes everything. your babies are watching you you're imprinting them you're imprinting them you're putting an image of prayer in their mind that they'll never forget it'll help them when they don't know what to do it'll help them when they don't know how they're going to make it they'll remember the how we prayed out of normal we need to break out of ordinary we need to break out of average we need to break out of run of the mill we need to break out of the ordinary into the extraordinary I want to go to another level in prayer 
God's getting ready to change lives. I love what I'm seeing. Some of our elders praying with some of our younger folks. Thank you. They need you. They need you more than they know they need you.
feel like the, I'm getting ready to say something I don't say often. One of the reasons I don't say it is because it sounds kind of spooky and weird and off kilter. And so I don't want to sound spooky, weird, or off kilter, even for a Pentecostal. I feel like the Lord just gave me a vision a minute ago of a mother with a sword in her hand. And her child was bound with chains hands and their feet like chained to the wall on both sides and one by one that mother would call out the name of that chain and cut it off and the hand would be set free and then would do it on the that's all right that's that's the holy ghost speaking here right now that's all right and they would break it off the legs and break it off and one by one that parent in prayer would break each chain. And I've come to tell a mama that's here right now that your children are bound in chains. Don't you be afraid in prayer to call that chain out and break it in prayer one by one. And you do it every day. And you do it every day. And you do it every day until they're free. In the name of the Lord. Young people, don't be afraid to do it for your lost parents or your lost friends. I'm talking about another level in prayer. I'm talking about going to another level in prayer.
There will be no formal dismissal of service. As long as you want to pray, I encourage you to pray.